Rants at the Movies, a podcast where we rant about films you may have seen at house parties. I'm one of your hosts in Jack of All Trades Mono, and missing the last play night so she's stuck with me for a month is my co-host and master of none, Kira. Hooray! <laughs> stuck with me for a lot more than a month, in fairness. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but in this current situation, yay. <laughs> in this instance, yay. Mm. But yeah, after all the heat of the last couple of weeks, we decided to do something... That might make us feel a little bit more chill and, and watch a movie that's set in in Dave winter in the syndrome. snow. Huh? Dave Syndrome. Dave Syndrome. I think it's called. I think it's called Burr. It's a blizzard. It's a blizzard. Black books. Oh, yes, poor sorry. Fella. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Dave, Dave Syndrome. syndrome. Oh, yeah, that one went straight over my head. My apologies. <laughs> no, I was just I was just commenting on the fact that we picked a nice snowy movie to yeah. try and beat the heat. And yeah. we went with also it's a movie we haven't watched ourselves in a really long time. Mainly because we had a Region 4 copy. Yeah, we had Which a New Zealand copy of it, wouldn't it play <laughs> But yeah, no, it had been a long time since we watched it, mm. and I think I forgot how much I enjoyed this film. Yeah, plus we watched a lot of vampire movies. And well, we in general, we watch a lot of vampire movies. Yeah. This is definitely an underrated vampire movie. Very I think. underrated Definitely vampire underrated movie. vampires. Yeah, um, very fun history of this film. It was a screenplay that got rejected, that got made into a graphic novel that became quite successful, that then got optioned as a movie again. Yeah, they shopped it around to a ton of studios and nobody wanted any of it. So they're like, fine, we'll make a comic out of it. Comic's really pretty. And then, Yeah, it's really good. And then one of the studios that had said no to the original script were like, let's make a movie out of that comic right there. Yeah, I think being able to see it storyboarded essentially probably helped because there are shots in this that are very clearly panels oh yeah yeah and some there's of them a are... lot of them that are just their panels lifted exactly from it well i haven't read the comic but yeah you definitely get that mm. impression all right but it's not it's not uh, compared to some of the films that we've looked at it's not super stylish no. i mean okay you have, have a lot of said what movie it is yeah well i mean it'll be in the title when people take on the podcast to listen to it i know <laughs> i'm just wondering just I'm in pretty... general uh, well, I was going to when... No, it's gone. Forgotten. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'll be in the title. People will know. Okay. It's 30 Days of Night. Yes. Which actually inaccurate. Yes, because it would be 67 66, or 66 six, Days of Night. Yeah. <laughs> and I assume it doesn't just go dark and then at the end of the 66 days, bright again. <laughs> no, I think it, it's very similar to when we were up in Kalioki for Johannes. Yeah. And it was 72 hours of daylight, but the amount of daylight did dim. Yeah, yeah. No, it, wasn't, it wasn't just constant bright or constant <laughs> no, dark. No, it the did time. get there a bit dimmer, yeah. but then got brighter again. But for the purposes of the movie, we'll let him away with it. Yeah. It makes for a good, a good fun concept. Yes. Um, and I think that was one of the things that initially attracted me to it, because I'm pretty sure we saw this in the cinema when it came out. I'm not 100%. I think we might have possibly seen it on the airplane. Uh, I can't remember, but it yeah it, yeah, it came it was in out around. on DVD while we were in New Zealand, so we probably yeah. Saw do you it not remember being in Food Town at three o'clock in the morning while she trawled through all those DVD discs trying to find it because I was trying to buy it for you for your birthday. I don't remember that because I do you guys were all on downstairs the, on the carousel. Yeah, being you on the kids' bored. carousel toy. <laughs> that but, was when I bought it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I'm 99% sure we saw this in the cinema, and that was what I was like, okay, we might have I like gory films now. anyway. Yeah. But it was more the concept. I was like, oh, cool, vampires literally having a month to hunt down a whole town full of people. Did Was this around the same time as Children of Man? Uh, I want to say yes. Because Children of Man was very kind of graphic and not afraid to show the violence, especially in the final sequence when they're moving through. It's that one camera pan. Yeah. And there's parts of this, particularly the camera pan over, that remind me of it. And it doesn't try and gussy it up. It just shows it for what it is. Um. Yeah, but for completely different reasons in Children of Men and in this. Like, this is no, supposed but they to would be a gory be film. Of a very similar style, visual mm. style. And that I'm trying to think of was that kind of like the the way movie. Yeah, this when was this? Uh, I want to say 2006. Yeah, this was Children of Man was 2006 as well. So that was kind of what cinematic styles were. Um. Yeah, I suppose. I just like I, I probably paid less attention to the cinematography and stuff like that in this mm-hmm. because for me this is more of a just fun. Uh, I don't want to say silly because it's not silly, but just like. I watched this for the, the, the story and, and the gore and, to be honest with you, the vampires. I love the vampires. The love vampires in this I are, really, are really fantastic. Enjoyable. 
for a number of reasons that we'll probably get onto later. But before we dive into it, yes, shall we get to a summary a bit earlier this yeah. week than we did last week? <laughs> <laughs> As a month of constant night draws near for the town of Barrow, Alaska, strange events and accidents seem to be cutting off the remote town from the outside world. But as the sun sets for the last time and she misses the last plane out, Stella is forced to reckon with a living nightmare. 30 days with her ex. Dun dun dun! Yeah, but see, depending on some of the trash I read, that could be a very wild 30 days of kink. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of them have the premise of, oh no, we're snowed in with a hot guy. Yeah, and I mean, that is kind of one of the, the larger plot points, certainly at the start, is, oh, this is a couple who have everybody in that town doesn't know that they broke up and they all have an opinion on it yeah they do but it's probably one of the parts of the film that I care for the least is also uh, Eben 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 yeah I don't know it's not a name I've heard before and I think it's a weird name but I mean I don't want to offend any Ebens out there yeah so I'll go with it I'll run with Eben yeah also, minor note, Barrow, Alaska is no longer called Barrow, Alaska. No, it, it goes by the native name now, which I can't remember. Utkayavik, which, prob- which I'm probably butchering. If you probably, Google Barrow, us. Alaska, it will redirect you now. They um, changed the name of the town to reflect the history of it. It's actually, if you've got a spare 10 minutes, go Google Barrow, Alaska. It's got a really interesting history that's quite old. Mm. Um, fascinating place. Yeah, they. I think they just kind of took... It is the most they, northernmost American city, and they just took that concept. They but, took the, the yeah the idea of a really remote town, really far north. That experiences a lot of dark because a lot more people live there. It's it's roughly it's, five thousand like permanent population. Yeah, it's a way. It was a whaling station. There's like a U.S. meteorological post there. It's quite a thriving. It's a port uh, town as well. It's a port town. As, uh, they do. They have a number of festivals. I was looking up that were like for the ice breaking coming yeah. through. And they but would if, have like the Eskimo World Championships there, so they do a lot of the, the national sports, the traditional yeah. sports and things. Yeah, no. But, ten, if you got yeah, ten minutes, they, go look it up. It's actually really interesting. If they if they made it that bit more realistic, specifically if they made it a port town, the movie would have been over before it started because all the locals would have been like, "Hey, what's that ship coming in?" Yeah. <laughs> Looking at photos of it off Google, it actually looks like a really beautiful place in the summer. I don't think I could quite hack the winter, but in the summer, I'd be definitely interested in going to visit it. Yeah, but that would mean visiting the US. And yeah, no. I know. <laughs> sorry, US, <laughs> but no, not sorry. Not going to visit you. Yeah, the, the idea of it being this remote town that gets completely cut off, because we've all heard of these places in Alaska that like you can only fly into, or there's that, what town is it where they all live in the the majority of the town live in one like massive apartment building because the only way you can get to the town not by water is through this one-way tunnel that takes 30 minutes to get to yeah there's a lot of places like that in like in canada and in the u.s and in russia and um, yeah you've got like underground towns in australia yeah well that's because it's so freaking hot think- that's the op- that's where you want to see a vampire film is in a mine in the middle of alice springs actually yeah that would be <laughs> That that would be uh, that would have made a good sequel for this. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck somehow. They One managed to make it to the middle tales. of Alice Springs. Yeah, how they got there, we don't know. <laughs> but I think that's probably partly why it holds that bit of a fascination for us in particular because there ain't nowhere fucking around that's that remote. Like there are remote places in oh, Ireland, God. but remote is a relative term. There's yeah. nowhere in Ireland that you couldn't walk. I'd say for more than two, three hours, two to three hours in a straight line without hitting a road or a town. Um, or, uh, or the sea uh, well Bear Grylls once attempted to do a, an episode here out I think he was dropped was out in Connemara in Connemara and um, yeah everybody all the locals were out just standing there watching them and they spent I think most of their time filming trying to get locals out of the shots yeah just piss off but yeah there's nowhere, <laughs> there's nowhere in Ireland that's that's certainly that level of unless at you all. manage to get yourself stuck up the Wicklow Mountains or up one of the mountain ranges that's a different that's just getting lost. You're just going to get lost. And that's not, that, be miserable. That's not remoteness. <laughs> yeah, you're just going to get lost and be miserable. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely nothing that's like, if you don't get out, you're not getting out for like 30 days. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure it's maybe not as drastic as they make out in the film. Like, there probably would be other flights that might come and go. It's just, it's nighttime. It's not like the town is getting walled in for 30 days. No. They just have night. So or planes that it's fly going at night to be like anyway. Blizzardy or anything like that. It's not like the Antarctic 
outposts where they actually don't have flights in because the temperature drops so low mm. that you can't. Yeah. Like, engines don't work. <laughs> but again, for the purposes of the film, I'm going to let them away with it. The town yeah. is completely cut off and it makes for a really fun, gross, gory vampire yeah. film. Yeah. I also like at the very start of the film when they're kind of going around doing the rounds for closing up the town for the winter, essentially, and they... Uh, oh, what I refer to as Evan's bad day. Yeah, Evan's bad day is the last day of sunlight. So, and yeah, he's just going from one like one shit call to another. Yeah, but when they stop to change the town sign and change the population from like 300 and something down to 152. Yeah. So you get kind of, all right, this is how many people are supposed to still be in the town. This is, uh, there's roughly what, is 10 it? to 15 vampires? No, I think it, there's, it looks to me like there's probably in and around 30 or so in the scene. There's a scene where there, there's a whole bunch of them chasing I suppose one of the characters in a vehicle. Over. Yes, there is uh, quite a few. And there's a, a few. whole bunch of them. And then, they yeah, do in that focus on pan shot. kind of, there's the three kind of main, there's, there's, say, the, 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 there's a couple of baldy headed ones. There's, there's six, the I'd say six to eight vampires that we get to see up to particular stuff in general. But I, I get the impression there's... Yeah, there is in and about 30 or 40 yeah. well, vampires. A big ship too. Yeah, there could be way more than that, but I think the most that you ever see would probably be about 20 of them on screen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of hard to make out, but yeah, enough that, that they are more than capable of running through this town and destroying it. Yeah, but, but Evan, poor Evan, having a shitty old day. Uh, it's the last full day. Their first call out of the day is to that burn pile. Yeah, first he finds a pile of burnt sat phones. Every sat phone in the place and cell phone and anything capable of getting a signal yeah. has been rounded up and burnt. Then then he finds a pile of dead dogs and I'm going to gloss over that because I don't really yeah. want to talk about Basically, a bunch of dead animals. Basically, every then, sled dog in the town has been killed. Yeah, then uh, the local helicopter door. pilot has had his helicopter ripped out. Yeah. Well, you know, like, destroyed as well. And then... He does make a decision. When he realises there's a number of things happening, he gets the receptionist of the... His grandma. Who's his granny, but she's the dispatcher of the the police station as well. To check with the other two closest towns to see if they've had any problems. Because he's, like, starting to notice a bit of a pattern here. Yeah. (laughs) I like that he does. He's like, okay. uh, um, Check with them. Three three things have happened that are to do with contacting the outside world or transporting the outside world. One's an accident, two's a coincidence, three is suspicious. Yeah. And then he meets the stranger. The stranger who is weird. Yeah. I love the stranger's introduction because you just, he's just standing out on the ice pack. And I the love ship the stranger. Is, He's is a, behind him. Yeah. And it's just such a stark. And then he just takes off walking. They got huge confidence in the stranger that he is going to get there, not die of fucking exposure, not get lost, not get eaten by a polar bear. <laughs> yeah. Because he ain't got supplies. He hasn't got a compass. And he's just taking off in a general direction. <laughs> Well, I mean... To, to go and, you know, basically... We don't know much <gasps> about him. He could be a master. He's the human equivalent of Stitch. Stitch? From Lilo and Stitch. Stitch's whole goal is to cause chaos. Yeah. So he does that by stealing everybody's left shoe, I think blocking up drains and making all the traffic lights go wet. Yes. Well, so yeah, he's, he's not there straight... so much to cause chaos as he is to, yeah. to cut off the town. Well, to cut off the remaining leaves Yeah, but he goes has. in, wrecks all the sat phones, kills all the dogs and destroys the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And he should be really... fairly indestructible. He certainly has no fear. No, he's... Completely because when sticky when he gets ta- when he gets taken in he's got a gun pointed directly at the back of his head and a cop trying to arrest him and he tries to turn and jump the person yeah. pointing the gun at him and before that he like squares when he squares up to Eben well you got and he's, know, there's a good like half a foot in difference in height between them. yeah and he's quite a scrawny like he looks sickly and he very much has a drug addict like long to, oh yeah long term strong out vibe going on he's got the greasy hair and the grizzly face and the hollow cheeks and well, he's quite yeah. he has that like weird stringy wild strength kind yeah. of thing you know those reels like scrawny <laughs> bastards that you know if they get going are gonna just fucking destroy everything he's, a, he's, he's got that bat salt strength oh god yeah I and, like- and the teeth and the lusting oh, raw hamburger. He's he's basically a dirty hobo Renfield. Yeah, he is very much the Renfield with a silly voice. But I I, I like I don't the, mind voice. the voice. It works yeah. for the character, especially when he's kind of switching between the taunting. No, when 
when Ev- after Evan shoots him in the shoulder and chains him up. Yeah. And he's kind of like half sobbing, half like delirious. And then he switches to screaming at Evan saying, I don't talk to dead men. Yeah. I just, I like the, I really like the way it's Ben Foster, isn't it's it? It's Ben Foster, yeah. Ben it's Foster plays. as well. The three, I would say the three kind of standouts in this are Ben Foster, ben Foster is the stranger. Mm-hmm. Josh Hutton is actually really good as Evan. Yeah. And uh, Danny Houston as Marlowe, the head vampire. Oh, I the love The three of them are great. But we'll get on to Marlowe in a bit. Yeah. But Josh, Josh Hartnett, Hartnett is... once he stopped doing pretty boy rom-com roles, yeah. I really enjoy him. This was the first thing he was in that was quite serious that I was like, oh, hang on. I like quite like this. Obviously, Bun Raku as the um the gambler. The drifter. The drifter. Yeah. He's fantastic in that. Once he moved away from the likes of 40 Days and 40 Nights and <laughs> a number of other things. But the drifter doesn't really have an awful lot to go on. He's just... <clears throat> he's just Drifter who comes into town who's a really good fighter mm. and is a bit stoic and we find out towards the end of the film no but if I hadn't killed. seen Josh Hartnett in this I would have been like what the fuck are you doing in that movie um, well that's no. kind of what I was because I hadn't seen Bundercourt when we first watched this Yeah, but I, I actually like what he brings to the role because you do feel like you know, you he's get as in lost that. as everybody else is in this because from his point of view you're seeing like little snippets of what's going on in the background but you're watching him trying to piece it all together with this, and every time he leaves somewhere and comes back, something, something else, else has happened. happened. And you're watching him trying to put this together, and you can see kind of through his actions in it, like when he gets her to phone, once he realizes that stuff is, there's something weird going on, he's like, go and check with all of them. Yeah, and when he has to go I'm off, he's go like, on. you take the walkie talkie and stay in contact yeah. with me. And at that point, when he's saying that, nobody's died or nobody's been attacked, he just knows. Some shit's gone wrong. We've got this weird yeah. guy in and the town. And then all the cell phone towers go down and that's when he's like, right. That's when go. he goes off and finds And he's Gus. like, you stay on the walkie-talkie with me because there is something weird going on here. And then when they pick up the drifter as well and he's talking to him. But I like the way he's set up. You, you, you don't get everything about him thrown at you at the start. You find out, okay, yeah, he's a bit of a community man. Like when he's ticketing Bo and being yeah. like it shows him he's still part of the community. Guy Mark Boone Jr. And then I like how you see he's he's really not used to this level of violence because he's a small town sheriff. Yeah. You know? They don't like, have trouble there. Like they all, see they're, they're at, all too busy trying to just survive in these extreme conditions. You see it when he's looking at the dead dogs. He's shocked at the, the violence. But, yeah. Okay, it's dogs. But then when he finds Gus's Gus, head on a spike... Uh, he is freaked to fuck. Yeah. And, and you can see... And when he's a, driving back into town then and there's like stuff is starting to go a bit when he pulls in. Yeah. He's driving through town on the radio. Saying, get back to your homes, arm load, yourselves. Load your firearms, obviously being a town in Alaska, which is, I'm assuming gets frequently visited by polar bears. Everybody's, Everybody's got, got a gun. <laughs> you have to. It's just a method of survival. Mm. So... He's doing the sensible thing. Everybody get in, get indoors, load your firearms. There is something going on. And he, he even admits that. He's like, oh, if you have a Jenny, go home, lock your doors. Otherwise, go to the diner. Yeah. Stay safe, stay in groups. Um, and he admits to them all as well. He's like, I don't know what's going on. But I'm going to try and find out. Yeah. And yeah, no, I like... I. He's not going it, to lie to these it people. Fit, he's not... He's. I think that's one of the reasons why I really like this film and him as a character. Is because he's an everyman, even though he's a cop, he's still an everyman. He doesn't suddenly, when the vampires attack, he doesn't suddenly know how to kick a whole load of ass. He doesn't suddenly know how to deal with them all. He's shocked by this violence. He's struggling with it. And, you know, his his main weapon of choice is an axe. And anytime he has to try and kill anybody with it or a vampire with it, it's a real, like, dirty affair. It's not clean cuts. It's all messy. Yeah, it's it's a couple of whacks. He's a proper everyman. I think that's why I like it. And you... You believe him as an yeah. everyman and you believe him as a community man, as the sheriff and as well. And he's from there and he's grown up there and they everybody knows everybody and it's extremely tight-knit. And he, when he tickets Bo and his reasoning then, because the other, Billy, the other deputy is like, oh, why are you doing that? And he said, he's like, well, he lives far out from the community. Giving him a citation every now and again makes him remember that he's part of the yeah. group. So he cares about him. He doesn't want him out on his own getting all weird. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> getting all weird out there in the fucking tundra. Well, and it'll it'll force him to come into town to pay yeah. off that citation, and he'll have to have some human contact then as well. Yeah. No good. Just invite. You can't just invite somebody like that out. You know, oh, come out to the local town square dance because they won't go. No, like fuck it. We've lived in this town for five years, and we know like four people in it yeah. because we're antisocial bastards. On a side <laughs> note, I really want Bo's ski dungaree. 
things yeah. with the zip up the front. They look so comfy. But <laughs> I think the only thing that maybe drags Evan's character down and probably the film at large is the whole marriage relationship thing with Stella. Oh, nobody so cares. Yeah, I don't even dislike Stella as a character. I'm just like... They could even just be colleagues who have some animosity because yeah. she's going off. She's gotten <clears> this job with the fire marshals and she's got has to go off. It could even just be a thing like she's the, the, the squishy machine lady. <laughs> or she will not. She, like, like, she comes through every now and again and he quite likes her but can never quite work up the courage to ask her out and now she's stuck there. Yeah. That would have actually been more compelling. <laughs> yeah, because I think it was like they wanted to have, okay, he's broken up with his missus. Yeah. And from her point of view, it seems to be all his fault. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to understand. He himself doesn't really seem to understand why because he's like, I thought we were going to talk. And Yeah. Oh, and you he's were a back bit, in town and he didn't even want to Yeah, talk he's a bit bitter and cold about it. So if we're and supposed to get everybody the... everybody wants to know what was yeah. going on. Everybody has something to say so about it. So if we're supposed to get the impression that it was Evan's fault and it was something that was wrong with Evan and the actions in this film, then Evan can overcome whatever that fault was. Which is kind of, I feel like, what the film is trying to give to us. But we don't know what he fucking did wrong. Yeah. So I don't care. There's a Whereas couple of if we like, had known it was like, you know, he was, say he was, he was really detached or she didn't feel like he wanted to, to start a family together. And then she sees how protective he is over the town and his family yeah. in this and they, they reconnect. Maybe so that, she didn't fine. want to get stuck. But, in Barrow forever and ever yeah. but we don't but we don't know There's nothing, so we don't yeah, care yeah we don't know so their whole thing and to be honest apart from a couple of snipey comments to each other at the start it's fairly much you given even up know. on yeah once once um, they have that really uh, inappropriate conversation when they're arresting the stranger yeah not the time they're airing their place. dirty laundry in front of this psycho and uh, not the time and place and I know there's kind of uh, the part of the point of them doing that is that everybody in that diner wants to know so may as well <laughs> just yeah. have it out in front of them all because there it, it'll just save questions later that I think there's an aspect <clears throat> of that but also, yeah, deal but with after, the deal with the psycho guy who you've just had to draw a firearm on. Yeah, but kind of after face their, down on the couch. After their conversation about that, the only other time really that their relationship is mentioned is later on when Evan's talking about like people protecting their family, and she's yeah. like, "We were like that once, weren't we?" Ugh, stop and it, then, I don't care. And then, then towards the end, they're like, "Oh yeah, you can see that they still really do care for each other." But yeah, I don't care. I do not care if I if maybe if I had known why they had problems yeah. in the first place I might have cared about their relationship but I do not give a fuck. They uh, could have just been close friends and he was upset that she was leaving like that's how Yeah, much... she she was his deputy who got a new job in the fire marshal's yeah, office. Yeah, like that's and that's like as much as like, you kind of need if you like want it's attention. her last day. It could have even been like oh she, they could have done the trope of it's my last day on the job and I'm leaving <laughs> on this plane to get to Anchorage and yeah. now I'm fucking stuck here. Like that, it didn't. Because even even her reasoning for not wanting to be stuck in Barrow is fucking weak sauce. I've got like bills a, to pay and, and my, my plants, plants will die. Yeah, I need to get oh, back no. to Anchorage. <laughs> Never mind the fact that you've like lived there most of your life, and you know you can ring somebody. Yeah. <clears throat> like to be more honest, I'd be worried about totaling the fire marshal's um, vehicle. Vehicle, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mind you, that thing that runs into her, the and that, that trencher thing, fucking yeah. hell. <laughs> no, thank you. I take it it's for clearing roads. Presumably, I'm guessing so. like it looks like something that like and, will just churn up everything <laughs> and milling vampires. Out and, of it. Yeah, it is. But, it's quite fun. But Stella herself, I don't, I don't mind Stella. I, I don't hate her. I just, I hate their relationship. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of shoehorned in there. There's a one or two plot points that I just felt were shoehorned in and that were unnecessary or had been going somewhere and then they decided it didn't work. The other one being Evan's asthma. Yeah. Because you see him having a puff on the inhaler at the start. And then there's a moment... So it's set up. There's a moment later on where he appears to be having an asthma attack and he's lost the inhaler. And you think this is going to be a big, oh, fuck, what are we going to do? Because we need to get an inhaler. He's having an asthma attack, yada, yada, yada. Life peril, blah, blah, blah. And then he just sleeps it off. He just sleeps it off. And then a couple of scenes later, they're in a general store and and he he finds finds an inhaler and it's it's fine. It's never mentioned again. And I was like, that's not how asthma works. Well, it, Especially it can cold, be. Like when the, the when he's having the attack, he's after running through the cold and he's panicked. That's yeah. all going to exacerbate it. But he's just lying there, being like, <gasps> yeah, and like it's can... not a full on. It's not even a full no. But on. there are different. I like, know there are. I just felt like it. 
Like, no, no, if you I'm one hundred percent with you. Out of it, yeah, don't if you're gonna make if you yeah, if it's not gonna be a big plot point, if it's gonna be something that can just be surrounded by oh, time passed and now he's yeah. okay. Why bother having it in there at all? Whereas there's some of the survivors that end up together. One of them, Wilson, who's I think the helicopter pilot. Yeah, Wilson's the helicopter pilot. His father, who has survived, has dementia. Yeah, and, and that's that set makes... up earlier and then becomes a plot point. Yeah. And where, quite a good the one. The way that's dealt with is fantastic. But so seeing something like the asthma just being kind of there just felt be... unnecessary. Yeah, and I don't think they ran out of time or anything because one of the... They just kind of lost steam. Yeah, No, but you know, wait, other times we'd be like, oh, maybe there was another scene that got cut for time. This is a long this, movie. It's a long movie, but it definitely didn't get cut for time because you know the scene where Dirty Hobo Renfield is actually confronted by one of the vampires? Yeah. That was actually supposed to take place at the same time as... Evan's brother and grandmother go missing. Yeah. But they ended up and but they and they, th- they thought it. they'd have to cut it for time but they ended up splitting it into two yeah. scenes. So they definitely weren't short on time. So yeah, that that asthma thing was just a uh, it just went nowhere and yeah. seemed to be there for no reason. Yeah, because it didn't bring them closer together. It didn't progress their relationship or anything like that. In fact, when he's lying on the ground having the asthma attack, they're both they're all kind of just in there like all right. Yeah, nobody's that worried about it. And the next time we see him, he's just asleep. And yeah. it's on to the next kind of plot point. Yeah, magic sponge. Magic sponge <laughs> that one all the way. Probably apart from that, that's one of, that's like, apart from that, the Evan character, like you believe that he's a small town sheriff just trying to fucking cope with what's going on. Well, I no, but that's one of the one of the few the one of the things I will say about this is there's no real super cliched characters in this. No, they all even, have facets. Even Bo, who you expect to be the kind of just straight badass and won't have time for it, there's a scene where he wants to run off and be a bit of a badass, but they convince him to yeah, we need stay, you. and we actually need you, and we you need realize you here. we need you here, and he goes okay, and you realize oh, and and that's like a call back to him getting the ticket earlier. Yeah. Oh, Evan has actually made this man realize he's part of the community. Now he's going to stay he and protect has skills him instead that of we, re- we require. But he realizes that yeah. no, I am part of this community, and that's tied in nice and well together. And some of the other characters, even Doug, is annoying. Doug is the one who constantly wants to make the stupid decisions. Ugh, he's a coward. Too. He's a coward, but he's never the full p- cliche or the full coward that you see in other ha- uh, horror films. Yeah. Who like you know, he but put her in charge. Well, no, not that. But he's not <laughs> like you know. You expect him to be the one who's going to like push another survivor in front of a vampire so that well, he, he can does escape. Do that. Well, he, he, he runs out. No, but I mean literally like feed, feed them, them to yeah. it so that he can escape. Paul Reiser and aliens. Oh God, yeah. That's, when he locks them all in there and yeah, he's like, "Fuck you." You, you kind of you could expect Doug to go that far with it, but they never they never take the characters that far into the cliched realm, no. and I like that. Doug is the they the all, annoying coward guy, but they all very much operate on fight or flight reactions as well. Mm. The way they respond to a lot of the situations they're in in the moment, they will respond consistently in the same way, which is nice. Yeah, There's their characters no, are consistent, like yeah. Uh, like like uh, Denise looks terrified for the whole thing, but does have one or two moments but, of being able to pull her shit together. Yeah, Denise, you can see Denise is is concerned for the safety of others, but her own safety it is takes paramount priority, yeah. because she runs at the start when her two mates get taken. Yeah, whereas the, w- one guy gets taken. Well, the two of them run. No, the other guy doesn't run. He tries to see what's going oh, on. And she's like, fuck this shit, I'm and out then, of here. And then later on, somebody else gets taken and she looks to go back and somebody kind of taps her and she's like, oh no, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like That's she... when he gets, the, when they're making the break for it and Doug gets eaten. Yeah, I was, tries... I was trying not to mention who it was. But... Ah, who cares? <laughs> well, yeah, there are, He's not necessary. To there me. are many, like it's not a huge cast. I would say... You're Stella, yeah. Evan, Jake, and kind of Jake's the kid brother. The he's kid 15. brother. He's Evan's kid brother. He's fifteen. The, he makes a couple of comments about the relationship as well, but he mm. also has a very sweet relationship with his with the Grammy. Yeah, and that he, you see as well. He so has he, his own little character arc from yeah. being the little brother to towards the end of the film, actually kind of standing up and and kind of Proved taking not, over. Well, you feel yeah. like he 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 would now be able to step into Evan's shoes, kind of. Yeah, thing. he grows up so a lot over the course of the yeah. month. Um, he get he goes but, through a lot. Of there's a lot of other characters there's Wilson and Isaac and Carter who I really like there's Lucy there's Denise there's Doug and it's it's a vampire slash survival horror film there are characters that you meet that are are that are going to get taken out yeah (laughs) Um, but no no like I said, none of them are super yeah. cliched, and I really like that. Yeah, and it it would follow. It's kind of very similar to Dawn of the. Is it Dawn of the Dead? No. Which in the shopping mall? 
Donna Dead is on the, the shopping, shopping mall. mall where they all end up. It's kind of the core group that make it to the diner. Yeah. And that's the group that you stay with. But mm. you've also got to remember that he sent all these people to their homes. Yeah. So you've, the assumption is there that there are people hiding out in their homes in attics or crawl spaces or wherever they and can are, be. Yeah, they come across other survivors. And they have generators. And, and yeah. Because when everything kind of kicks off in total in the town, mm. after they've discovered that Gus has been decapitated and his head's on a spike outside the, the cell tower, yeah, the power goes for the town and all the generators kick in. And that's when Eben and Stella decide, right, they're going to go out and start a sweep of the whole town. Yeah. And they're driving off and they have that brilliant encounter where they the get the out of the town and they, they get out of the car and they're looking through binoculars and Stella's just like, get in the car! Get in the fucking car! And, no, really... and she's booting it and then you just see this guy running and yeah. jumping onto the top of it and starts pounding on the roof of it. That's fucking brilliant. It's and he's great. shooting through the roof and it's screeching and then pounding on it again. There are some great set pieces in this film. And what I really like about that one is how it starts because they're driving along. Yeah. And Evan goes, stop the car. And she goes, what? And he goes, stop the fucking car. And they get out and they're, he's looking off into the distance. And then she he's goes, all like squinty looking. He's squinty. And she, well, but then she does... Josh Hartnett's quite a squinty looking guy anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of hard to tell if he's squinting or if that's just his face. But then she does she does the same thing. She, has just done it and she goes, get in the car. And he goes, what? And she goes, get in the fucking car. Yeah, she's not even yelling. And she's like, get in the car. But when, when they come back to town, that's when one of the things oh, that we, we both really love about the film. There's a car on fire. There's already a car flipped down. and on fire. The place, like the first time he drives through the town, you can see people milling about when he stops to tell them to all to go, go back. home. And yeah, and somebody now says, we town. heard gunshots, but we as viewers haven't heard said yeah. gunshots. So there is stuff going on. And you've already gotten to little glimpses of the vampires starting to pick off on the one or two people yeah so they're slowly starting to infiltrate they're seeing how much that has how much of the infrastructure the stranger has managed to take down yeah they're testing the boundaries i think so and then when they're driving back into the town it's on fire windows have been broken there's no bodies in the street yet not yet but it's completely abandoned and it looks like something has just swept through yeah and that's when they they screech back through to the sheriff station and when they arrive in there you discover that it's just the stranger left and there's just big blood blood trail yeah and the grandmother and the brother are missing and then Eben has a bit of a moment he does but that's that's where a moment that's where you really start to notice it in this film that there's a whole lot of stuff happening that we as viewers aren't seeing and i think it really adds to the film because it's you are following evan and stella around and there are there are a couple of cuts like where you see what the vampires are up to but mostly yeah it's evan and stella and you can see as the film goes on shit deteriorating that we as the audience aren't seeing and I really like it. I think it really adds to it. Yeah, the town's already got know. quite an eerie feeling because a lot of the population leave. Yeah, the, the isolation has already been well set up to begin with. And the population essentially has with them all leaving and a lot of people have boarded up their homes for, for the month. Yeah, I think so any, the any houses that are completely empty. already has this kind of spooky old abandoned town going on, like windows are boarded up, it's snowy, it's dark, it's kind of blizzardy. It's not. It it got kind of a Silent Hill vibe going on. Yeah, with with the snow and the the dark. Like I think I said earlier, it's not a super pretty film. But what they do with the snow and the dark, it's very really, isolated. It, it builds feeling. the atmosphere really, really well. And it's very, very stark. And all the vampires are very, very stark. The only color is whatever the survivors are wearing. And they tend yeah. to be, because they're all in winter gear, it's all quite bright and vibrant. They're brighter colours, but they are yeah. muted. The vampires are all white, black, and then the one, and then it's blood. And then on the snow, because a lot of things have been burnt out, is a lot of black and white and red as well. And it works it, really, really well as a colour palette. Oh, it does, but it, it doesn't go so far as, like, say, Sin City does. Oh, no. No, this um, this works really, really well because you've still got hints of blues and browns mm. and stuff like that coming into it in when you look at the vampires. The vampires' makeup is fantastic. They look kind of like clammy. 
Yeah, they, yeah, they have they have sweaty, that like. sickly clam to them. You know, yeah. somebody with a fever. Yeah, it's that sheen, but the, you can also see the blue vein tracing, and the eyes are super black, and the teeth look real fucking nasty. They're like the pin sharp teeth. Yeah, must have been a pain in the ass wearing the dentures. They look really uncomfortable, <laughs> but it also gives them this look where they can't quite close their mouth properly. They're always in a, a semi snarl. Uh, yeah, no, it makes like them it. hold their mouth open in a really, really hostile yeah, way. It, I, it's like a bearing of teeth, like the way, especially if you've ever seen a cat just before they hiss at you. Yeah, that kind of look. They are, and the the screeches and the howls oh. are great, and the fact that they have their own language that's very like proto language sounding. Yeah, it sounds like clicks. it's an incredibly old language that's not very developed. Yeah. And, and that seems to go with the screeching because you hear where one or two of, of the townsfolk do get turned because they, they do make a point of beheading every. They're like behead everybody because we don't want. We don't want to turn, turn them. them. Yeah. But as they're screaming and you can hear the screech almost, there's a second pitch coming into the screech as they turn. That yeah, you see up to this. Yeah, there's one or two putting townsfolk who you see turning nails on and, a scratch chalkboard kind of scratch. And and that's that's how you know that they are turning because they're screaming in pain. But then you hear this other scream beneath it the double stream coming in yeah um, it's really yeah, really I just, well I, done I really like how animalistic the vampires are because that screech is there's a couple of different screeches there's a screech that's like just general screech and then there's a screech that's like I found somebody everybody yeah. else come we've got dinner kind of screech and there's like uh, a, almost like a warning one as well yeah and there's like a starting screech as well it's like let's, yeah. let's get ready to rumble they screech. have a whole language going on I also like the fact that Danny Houston as the main vampire looks the most human he does was, whereas the rest of them, the girl in particular I think is the most bizarre the girl looking. and the baldy guys yeah the girl they, who's they like his second get, in command yeah they look like they've gotten the Brazil facelift yeah, it's it's very much somebody just grabbed the back of their head and pulled Pull the skin Ed, Edgar tight. in um, Men in Black when she's like, your face is all loose. And he just <laughs> yeah. grabs it off his head and pulls and goes, is this better? <laughs> yep. Yeah, the, the way it's all very, it's like almost like the skin's dry. They're, maybe they're so old that they've lost all their body fat and blood and muscle and yeah, it's, it's just a, the skin pulled, just tight pulled tight yeah. back against the skeleton. Because she, in particular, is very, very sharp-faced. Mm. The nose is really... Like, she almost looks like a bird of prey. Yeah. She don't... Like, especially with the claw hands, but the super sharp nose, the really sharp eyes. She's mm. also got a very oval, thin face that exaggerates this effect even more. Yeah. I just... I love the way the vampires in this are so... You can't really pin them down because at the start of the film, they are... They're super fast too. Yeah, at the start of the film, they're super fast and you never really get a look at them. And they're very much like your movie monster, like like your xenomorph or your... They're crawly. They, they're using the roofs. You they're don't going see in them the and they take you out before... Under the houses. They're yeah. taking people by the ankles, which I love. Yeah, you, you're never getting a good look at them and they are just this like super unknowable thing and oh then and they after the... seem to give no fucks because there's that one that cannonballs its way through the kitchen window but you the all... couple that have all the yeah. dogs killed and it just barrels in through the window and then just emerges from behind the table yeah but you only see a split second of it yeah. you don't actually see what it is that smashed through the, the window the and then you head. just see the top of the head and then you don't see anything yeah and you just until you see her just kind of clawing to the window screaming as it drags her off and then under and that's all you see is he's chasing yeah the best you just see bits of her disappearing underneath you never actually see what's properly got a hold of her yeah but you get kind of a better look at them when they kill Gus because you see one of them jump on his neck and you kind of go okay Okay. it's vampires but up until the the full on kind of carnage happens yeah they're that kind of as I said the xenomorph they're the the, the unseen danger that just yeah and then once the carnage happens building up to they're this. this animalistic hunter monster where they are Oh, they're just going for like, it. Yeah, they're, they're very animalistic. It's very, it's, uh, like, gluttonous. It's yeah. very wasteful. It is very wasteful. <laughs> it's okay. It's very cold there. It'll keep the blood. But then, <laughs> but yeah, then after that initial carnage, you start to see the more sadistic, if you'll excuse the pun, bloodthirsty side of it. 
And I don't mean bloodthirsty as in they literally no, want the to actual blood, drink blood. Not the They're blood like, lust. This is the revelry in exactly. the violence. There's people getting stabbed through the chest oh, with yeah, pokers. Oh, yeah, he just pins them to the wall while the wife watches and they just laugh. And then he starts playing the record. And, it's and like, that's where you have that beautiful victory shriek where they all join in. Yeah, he puts this horrible nail on a oh, record. Oh, God, the nails are just really disgusting. And I don't know what it is about them. They just... Of yeah. all the things that I've done that look sickly, their nails just really creep me out. <laughs> but after that, that initial carnage, when they are, they're more of the hunters and you start to see that they are, oh yeah, they're just sadistic. They're using people as bait. Yeah. And then when... The, to draw them out and they're following them on the roofs, which is so nice. Yeah. And they're drawing out the deaths of people. And then the taunting of the poor girl who's bait, where she's like, oh, help That's me God. And he stops. And the, I also like the fact that he looks at her like a predator looks at prey with the head tilts yeah and he's and then he starts to look up and around and is like oh no god nope. no god no god and yeah taunting with her and and then he doesn't even kill her he leaves her to everybody to else to everybody else yeah I also like the fact that they're going through ransacking the houses because they do appear to change clothes at points because they go from being very, very sticky looking. <laughs> yes. And I mean, a lot of them are not clean eaters. It's everywhere to actually having fresh clothing on, which implies that at some point they went, oh no, I'm too sticky. <laughs> so yay for basic hygiene because I'm sure the guys, they, they do spend 30 days in the same clothes in that had to have been really yeah the people don't look ragged enough for having that, spent 30 that days. was another thing I had yeah there's not enough facial hair and just greasy hair going on <laughs> yeah and just exhaustion as well if you've spent 30 days on that level of tension, tension and lack of food and lack of sleep lack of proper sleep lack of food having to be quiet it's going to there have, should be some more red eye there's there's going to be a lot more of a physical effect on you. You're going to look exhausted. You're going to be pale from having mm. been hiding in attics and general different places. Like you are, it is going to take a toll on you. And I don't think they look wrecked enough. Billy is the only woman. Billy shows yeah. back up at the end of the film and he's been on his own. Yeah, no, he and has. He's got really he, long hair. They and the big should beard. be looking a bit more like the stranger at this point. Yeah, they should all look like Billy looks. Yeah. By the end of the film. Yeah. But that's that's kind of a small thing. It's, yeah. it's not a that's, massive... That's the atypical movie thing of people on des- desert islands. Like, girls should have, like... Everybody's, like, perfectly shaven and the eyebrows are all done and nobody's got, like, <laughs> yeah. big nose well, also, hair coming out. I'd say, unless you're shooting the film chronologically, uh-huh. continuity would be a fucking nightmare then. Because you'd be like, right, we're shooting day 18 today. Yeah. And then tomorrow we're shooting day 7, so you need to shave that beard tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take some of that grey out of your hair. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll let, I'll let that one pass. That doesn't bother me too much. But you are right. Yeah, they should be more grizzled by the end of, yeah. of day 30. Yeah. They should just look all a bit more wrecked. Like, a couple of more bags under the eyes would have been appreciated for just a <laughs> yeah. sheer exhaustion. Because they're also booting it around the place. That's, they've got a lot of energy for somebody who's been, like, and, trapped. And speaking of, so does the movie. I think it's paced really well. Yeah. for Everything a lot, happens in is, kind of... 20 minute chunks nearly. Yeah, it is a long film. I'll give it that. Just under two hours, yeah. It's just under two hours, but it doesn't feel it. So you've got initial shutting up the town, stranger coming in. Say it's 20 minutes. Then shit's really starting to go wrong. We see the first vampires. Uh, Kind of another 20 minutes. Sequence. Yeah. The beautiful overhead pan shot of the town. The initial carnage. Which... I oh, it's brilliant. Love, yeah, I don't want to go into details no, about it because um, if you haven't seen the film... Big shout out to the New Zealand Parkour Association because they were heavily involved in this as the vampires. Yeah, um, for that some, scene in particular. There's some beautiful monkeys over cars. There's people getting rugby tackled. It's fantastic. Yeah, the vampires spend a lot of uh, time on the roofs running from one to the next. Yeah, and, and painting on people and stuff like that. That first sequence is so... It really, really illustrates it as well because it's the music and it's quite quiet. Yeah. It does lend to that desolation. There's not a lot of um exterior and like yeah, it's a very sound. It's a very quiet film, yeah. They use the score and the sound effects to great effect. That's one of the but only bits the, I can think that has a score over it, like because you can see the people end, firing. The end kind of fight scene as well. Yeah, you can see dun, people dun. firing but you don't really hear it. Yeah, that whole thing and them finding the hiding place in the attic. Yeah. Is kind of 20 minutes. Another 20 minutes. And that's like the first day, the first thing. And then it jumps to day seven. Day seven, yeah. And then I think it's like where they send out the girl as bait. 
Yeah, it's it's and all then broken. It's day yeah, so eighteen when they decide to move to move again, move again, and so a few other bits happen. So there is. It's every kind of couple of days there's an event, so it doesn't yeah. feel as they as the vampires tactics all... change and as they're getting more and more kind of cabin fevery. Yeah. And they're waiting on a blizzard to enact their plan and the blizzard finally comes and they do this thing. And yet none of it is because the you're t- they move around a fair bit, but it's it's never really like they're repeating themselves. It's not oh we're trying to run to another thing. Each time you could nearly say each of those kind of 20 minute chunks is based around one kind of main event. Yeah. And they're never too repetitive where it is like, it's like set up initial attack and outbreak. Then it's like survival period. And then it moves from survival period to another kind of thing. And it's just, yeah, yeah it's really well placed. It's like this, that they're in the house and then the house is compromised. Yeah. So they have to move. Because the vampires are moving their way through the town, searching all the houses. Mm. So they know they have a general plan that they want to get to this other location but they have to wait on a blizzard because the white egg condition they're yeah. using it's guerrilla tactics they're used they know the cold and they know what it's like to survive and there and they're they constantly the adapting their plan and changing yeah. their plan as as things go on yeah no it is it's i, I don't want to say realistic it's probably not the right word to use but logical like yeah. the steps they make are logical and and like we talked about evan as a character these are de- they're believable if not realistic yeah. is perhaps a better it's word what, yeah and you've got the one or two who are like no no no, i'm gonna do this thing and they as they kind of have to get argued down yeah they're they're reasoned with as opposed to yeah just shout it down either like yeah because they're also trying to keep quiet <laughs> yes despite the having the attic light on all the time um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they do have the, and I know they're only peeling up a tiny little bit in that corner, but if you're outside in the complete dark and probably with heightened senses, if we're to go by what we see with the vampires, yeah, like you would see that. You would see that little strip of light coming out. And there's a bit later where they're flashing torches at one another. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Not great. (laughs) That's, that's really, really bargaining on the fact that the vampires aren't paying attention. Yeah. No, but they, they make use of their town and their surroundings and they know the weather and they know what it takes. Yeah, because which that's... is which is the sensible thing to do, and it's like right, we wait for a blackout and we or a whiteout, and we go here, and we can get this, this, and this, and mm. then we can go here, which is sturdier, and we can survive for longer because they know that they just have to wait them out. Yeah, and it, everything is very well set up in this film. Yeah, like the way they they do all that and. Anything that's kind of a big plot point, like the the trencher later on, mm-hmm. when it comes in, when the trencher comes into its own, <laughs> you're not like, where the fuck did that come from? Because you've already you've seen, already seen it. at the start. Now at the start, you might be a bit like, why the fuck is it that thing that crashed into her? Yeah. And then later on in the film, you're like, oh, that's why, and it's totally worth it. Yeah, Grandma's little home pot farm that is just seems to be a little gag. Throw a gag becomes useful, but then becomes useful as a plot point yeah. later on, and all of that works except for the the asthma. The asthma. <laughs> yeah. Why would you put that in there and then just not? That's why it bothers me. I think because everything else, everything else is so yeah. well set up. Yeah, it's very, it's very. Why is it Chekhov's gun? Yeah, I was going to say Chekhov's asthma inhaler. Yeah, because <laughs> everything else comes back and is used. Yeah. Yeah, you know that that I, even the ticket Bo's ticket comes back when Bo realizes, oh no, I am yeah. part of this community and need to, do, and and none of it is is like that. Bo just says, okay, and I'll stay. Yeah. Nobody, Bo doesn't go. Ah, oh, I finally realize I am part of this community. You just yeah. get that as a viewer, like. But um, any final thoughts? Things you like, things you didn't like about the Danny film that Houston we haven't. Danny Houston in this is absolutely phenomenal. If you if you aren't aware of who Danny Houston is, if you watch American Horror Story. He was the jazz man. Uh, yeah, he's the, the axe man the in uh, season three. Yeah. Coven. Is it Coven? It's Coven, yeah. He's amazing. He's uh, Stryker. Half brother of Angelica Houston yeah. as well. He was Striker um, in X-Men Origins yeah. Wolverine. It, he's six foot five, I think. He's quite a broad man. And then he's in this long black wool coat in the middle of the Arctic, wandering yeah. around with just that and a shirt on. He's very, very similar to uh, Lucifer and Constantine. Well, that's what I was going to say. Very similar for, presence. To be, for me to like, just be quick about it. Yeah. Go back and listen to our Constantine rant and everything I said about Lucifer. Replace, replace Lucifer and Peter Stormare with Marlowe, the head vampire, and Danny Houston because I, I love Peter Stormare as Lucifer. He's one of my favourite versions of Lucifer. And Danny Houston in this is one of my favourite versions of a head vampire. He's just so fucking good in this. He's so sadistic. He plays it. Taunts are the, just, yeah, uh-huh. the, the taunts he uses. Ah, oh, he's just fucking great. His body language in it yeah. as well. 
And the fact that he is definitively in charge, you get that from the very get-go, but you never see him being excessive to the other vampires. Mm. You know, and even the way he seems to interact with the humans, like, yes, they're food, but when he's taunting the girl, it's not like how you would, like a bully, it's just you're beneath me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's certain ways that he he behaves and that mirrors their behavior. Oh yeah, and he does. He, he like he seems to have this contempt for humans. Yeah, because there's that he has that line. I won't give the context for what it is in because it'd be a bit of a spoiler. But he has that line about when man meets a force, it cannot destroy; it destroys, destroys itself, itself instead. Yeah, and uh, he just says like so pitiful or so contemptible or something like that. And yeah, it's it's a nice little line, and it tells you a lot of what you need to know about Marlowe. No, just everything is body language in it as well. The way he moves is is particularly animalistic and very kind of predator-esque head movements mm. with the quick flicks around, the head, head tilting, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I just, the, the way he manages to, to balance that sinister presence that's sentient and this kind of animalistic side mm. that the rest of the vampires have, uh, he does it so well. But then you also see he has this almost uh, contradictory gentleness particularly when dealing with the main female vampire yeah there's almost like a, a, a fondness or like a gentleness between them when he's talking to her after the uv light yeah and it's almost like a sadness and he's like you understand why this has to happen and she's looking at him and she's crying and mm. there it's a regret so it's interesting to see those parts of it because normally like if you've got the, this kind of vampire that's a mindless they are because they could very easily be just, just mind, be yeah just, on, just have just been a mindless force chomping machines yeah just being the animalistic side and yeah. not the sadistic and and measured yeah intuitive intelligent side mm. so I think that scene in particular where he he shows this regret over having Herbie injured mm. is really important as well because even though they look down on the humans as as just fodder yeah they also hold their own society to quite high regards yeah and he seems like as well he's been trying to kind of there's a couple of parts throughout where he's watching Evan's character yeah and being like this is and the he one just I like, need oh, to watch the one who fights like, back towards the end he refers to him as the one who fights but you even see that early on when Evan meets one of the townsfolk who has, has started to turn. Yeah. And he has to decapitate him. <gasps> when he's all, scene, he's all the, tangled up in, in the, the swings. The kid swings. But that there's a scene is then such a nice frame shot at the end. When, when yeah. When Marlowe and his number two the three, come to the look two at him. The two of them are standing there looking at him and Beautiful he's tangled shot. up. Looks yeah. like it's probably one of those ones that came straight from the panel. Yeah. Because but what I like the, about that. Particularly the way that there's a street light that just mm. illuminates that bit so they're almost in the cone. But there's no dialogue in that scene. It's only there for about 30 seconds seconds and you could probably say it doesn't add much but what I really liked about it was the fact that Marlo is there and Marlo is looking real kind of questioning and considerate but he also mm. looks concerned Yeah, and I took that uh, from shit somebody's worked out how to kill us shit they know we can be killed now Yeah, one of them accidentally got turned Yeah, and now one of these fucking little pricks knows that we can be killed I can't have that and then when he use, when Evan uses the UV light he yeah. goes you're the one yeah, and it is. It's and very contemplative. Like, he's standing far enough back. He'd get gestures to two others to go around. But it's like, we're not all going to charge in. Yeah. Like, he, they send in one because they know there's something going on. Yeah, he's just standing there, not afraid. What's he up he, to? No, but also they started a generator and made a load of noise. Yeah. And he's like, he understands that this might possibly be a trap. Mm. And one goes in, it ends badly. Yeah. He expresses a lot of regret about that, but at the same time, when he goes into the house and is looking for him, mm. he's not. He's like, right, we need to go and get him now. He's actually fucking shit up for yeah. us. Yeah, he becomes a target then. But I would, I would go so far as to say I would recommend this film on Danny Houston and Josh the Hart. vampires in general. Yeah, alone. Never mind the plot. Never mind anything else. Just if you want some interesting vampires and some interesting vampire portrayals. This is a damn good film for it. Yeah. No, this has some some real nice moments in it. Yeah, like between the debate scene, the carnage scene, the trencher scene, they're all... The trencher really, scene is hilarious. Yeah, we're trying to say non-spoilery uh, here, but... But the trencher scene, I, yeah, the trencher scene is hilarious. I do. I think the initial pan over of the, the carnage is just so well done and it's really nice to see something like... Because normally with vampire films, they're solitary. Mm. So to see a whole group you're just going to say <laughs> yeah and to have it be this and it, it, it probably very true to life to what would happen if 
something like this happened. Like, there's just people booting it around the place. Yeah. It's panic. Like, nobody knows what's going on. There's people, there's shit on fire because somehow stuff always gets on, catches on fire. The only thing it's missing is one opportune bastard looting somewhere. <laughs> one of the earlier things that I wanted to talk about that I, I think I really liked about it was the, the way the violence kind of ramps up as the film goes along. Yeah, you don't see a lot of it. You or don't it, see... It's, it's, it's cutaways. It's the aftermath yeah. of it. Or it, yeah, or it's far removed. It's yeah. high up shots where, you, and then as the film goes on, you get to see a lot of the violence a lot more closer up to the point where you literally see somebody get decapitated by axe swing by swing towards yeah. the end of the film. But it's and also it's like, ooh, how their ooh. proximity to the violence exactly. as well. Yeah, it's they're becoming more and more entrenched in it at the start. Evan in particular, they're just surviving, and then he's realizing what needs to be done. And mm. that you can't keep doing that. But he's also still trying to safeguard, in particular, Jake, his kid brother, yeah. from that violence. He's kind of made, he's made the decision of this needs to be done. And because it needs to be done, I'm going to be the person to do it. It is my duty to do it as the sheriff of this town. Yeah. But not only that, as the head of his family, he's there to protect and he views the town as his family. So he's very much the one who's willing to put himself out there and take the risks and take all of this death on his conscience. Yeah. No, it, it, uh, it doesn't He's honourable. Oh, definitely. No, that's what I was going to say. Is that, the, the, I think the characters in this film are actually better than you would expect from yeah. a film of its kind. And for, for the rating that it's got like a six yeah. and a half on IMDb, which is it kind of standard yeah, vampire yeah. horror no, sci-fi fair. No, I, he's extremely honourable and he sticks by his principles for a yeah. lot of it. And the ending of it reflects that an awful lot mm. too. And it's well worth watching for the ending as well. Oh, yeah. But it is. It, I, it was one of those ones that you can almost see which chapter was which trade. Yeah. That's kind, kind of the way yeah. that the 20 minute sections are almost, are like, almost here, like issues. This is issue one. This, this was issue two. Yeah. This was issue three. This was issue four. Which also means that it makes it quite easy to watch it in sections. If you're not in the mood for sitting down for a two hour slog. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't call this a slog. No, it is I, actually it very feel, easy to watch. It doesn't feel long. Yeah. It doesn't feel long. Like this, there's some movies that you're about halfway through it and you're going, oh God, kill me. Yeah, are we only this far into it kind of thing? <laughs> for fuck's sake. Uh, this doesn't feel like a slog. But at the same time, if you do want to break it down, there are points kind of mm. after each major set piece where it quietens down again. Yeah. In a build up to the next one. There are nice, are some nice breaks if you do prefer to watch it, watch it that way. But I, that I think this is why pacing in films is so important. Yeah. Not so that you can stop in the middle of it, but just <laughs> it, it allows breaks you. breaks are important, okay? <laughs> but the, it's it's the peaks and valleys. It's what allows you to get more enjoyment because you're not constantly up going, oh, this is insane. You you have these, oh, that was class, and then it calms down a little bit so you can kind of take stock of what's happened and then, oh, something else insane is happening. But at the same time as well, you're also dealing with the events of the previous scene the way they're dealing with the events of the previous couple of days. So yeah. generally they're also looking extremely shell-shocked for most <laughs> of it. After each major kind of set piece happens, the survivors are all kind of sitting there looking a bit oh fuck me <laughs> yeah. and it takes it like by the time they've settled down in somewhere new that's safe and it takes them like a little bit to get to the oh fuck that really happened but I think there's one one thing I'd like to talk about before we wrap up yes. is there anything else you have not really the uh, minor spoilery but not really the vampire's plan is a bit shitty initial part of the plan good town t- experiences 30 days of night cut off send in stranger no hope of cut off that works. Buffet. Great. So, towards the end of the film... Number one, with vampire- the buffet. They are just... Sl- I thought that I had been under the impression that they were taking people away to keep them. They were obviously keeping people, but they did just rip out a lot of people's throats and leave them. Where did you get that impression? Because um, I, I didn't get that at all. They were just I, killing people in, in, in glee and abandon. In, in my brain, um, from the last time I'd watched this, oh, right. I had been under the assumption that they had because they sent that girl out as bait and stuff like that. No, they don't even seem to drain people fully. No, they're just like... Nah, 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 it's nah, like, oh, I'm you're dead done. now. I'm Yeah, you're dead. The fun is gone. I'm going to move on to yeah. my... I, I had been under the assumption that maybe they were dragging people back to the ship. Um, um, that That's a bit of a thing in the second film. Yeah. And I think that's what may have happened is I watched the second one mm. with Mia Kirshner in it. 
And um, it's just mashed bits of the two of them together in my head. I think the same thing happened to me because I was totally of the opinion that there was bits in the credits that tie into what I'm about to give out to now, which is their plan, that kind of summarised it. That's the start of the second film. It's the start of the second film where you see all the news reports about what supposedly happened to Barrow. But yeah, so the vampire's plan is, right, come attack the town and then... Nom, to nom, make, nom, yeah, nom, nom, eat, eat all the people and then to make sure that we don't get caught out because we don't want people to know vampires exist because these vampires couldn't really just hide in plain sight no. because they don't look. Danny Houston, maybe if he, if he, you know, wore some gloves and kept his mouth closed. And wore some sunglasses. <laughs> but, Balaclava would be a good look on him. But, but the He'd rest do of them. fine in COVID. The rest of them uh, aren't passing for human. No. So they need to keep their existence a secret. Yeah. So they say, we're going to burn the town down. Yes, because there's, um, uh, being Alaska, there is an oil pipeline that runs alongside the town. So their plan is to punch into it, look, make it look like a tragic accident. And yeah, burn the town to the ground. And burn the town to the ground. And I'm like, cool. And they're kind of waiting around as well when they start doing this to mop up any survivors because this is also anybody who's been hiding out that they haven't managed to eat will also obviously either die in the fire or flee the burning buildings. So their well, whole we thing would is, assume they're hanging around to mop up survivors. We, yeah, we don't actually know that's, that for sure. Yeah, that's the, what, that, that's kind of the assumption that I got is they'll burn out the town and they'll just eat anybody who survives. Yeah. Can I tell you why I think it's a shitty plan? Okay. <laughs> because fires don't decapitate people. Uh, and Head Vampire had told all the other vampires to decapitate all their victims so that they wouldn't turn into vampires. Yeah. So when the authorities come along and go, oh no, this town burnt to the ground, that's terrible, and all the people inside it burned as well. Wait a second. Why are their skulls all separate from the rest why of their is bodies? everybody in their attic? Yeah, why or are... under their houses? <laughs> yeah, why are, are they hoping the houses will just collapse? Are they hoping the local wildlife will come through and scavenge what's left and like hopefully <laughs> scatter shit around the place? And let's not forget poor old Gus's head on a stick. Yeah. Heads don't magically end up on sticks and fires yeah. either. And we that's pretty far sa- outside the town. We had this same argument when we covered Brightburn. Not argument, but the same thing when we covered Brightburn where he crashes the plane into the house at the end. And we were like, but but plane crashes don't melt holes in heads. <laughs> and we also had the same thing with Homelander killing that movie producer and setting fire to his office. Yeah. Because, because fires that- don't decapitate people. Yeah. That is a bad cover story, vampires. Don't use it one disaster to cover up another disaster. Yeah, unless they have yeah. the same effect or the same end result. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that, that was just like, that's not, for everything else, they've been smart vampires, they've been good, clever vampires, I just like, that lets them down. Roll up a newspaper, bop them on the head. Yeah, bop, that's a bad Marlowe. Think, think <laughs> it's a better. bad, bad vampire. <laughs> like, yeah, no, everything else is well thought out, and like, yeah. Yeah, I can deal with all I the just, rest of it. That one bit of him saying, decapitate everybody so they don't turn, and then burn the town to the ground so nobody knows what happened here, yeah. are mutually exclusive concepts. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, no, that, that's just a nitpicky little thing, to be honest. I it's not even that big of a plot hole. I might have been something to do with the graphic novel that got... Well, it is. Put, yeah, and it's not the entire story. Yeah, because in the, in the graphic novel, as far as I know, they are like they, kind like, of an offshoot group of vampires like vampire who have Council this plan. who come and are like, they burn down the town to cover it to up. To cover up what happened whereas because they're like, you one, shouldn't have done that, boys. Because these ones are the messy ones that don't pick up their corpses after they eat. Yeah. And then Colin Robinson splits himself in a bit of blood. <laughs> now what am I supposed to wear? <laughs> also, crude oil does not burn with just a fucking match. No, crude oil does not go up that fucking quickly. No, especially not in those temperatures. But, yeah, I mean, th- those are the smaller things that I like, yeah. get past. That's just us being, like, really fucking nitpicky about it. Yeah, um, like the wa- their, their wastefulness. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, wasteful vampires don't do that. Be like a true blood vampire and cling from them up over a bathtub to drain everything into a bucket. Yeah, you use every part of the human. Yeah. <laughs> Ring them out for every last drop of blood. Yeah. But I think that about wraps it up for 30 Days of Night, unless yes. there's anything else you'd like to add. No. Great well fun, worth Great watch. fun flick. Nothing particularly deep to it, but perhaps better than you would expect. Not just your random vampire gory film. Fe- like film. No, actually, it's the vampires are, are a proper adversary. Yeah, the vampires are probably they, they are definitely. It's, they're, they're it's a, f- a really, really elaborate game of cat chess. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice kind of survival horror yeah. vibe to it as it's well. It's very much got like a haunted house feeling, but it's a whole town. 
Yeah, yeah, there's a, there definitely it is, of the it is that horror whole, as well. Like it's a bit like Event Horizon, you know, it's you're trapped in a certain location. Mm. Now in this location they have multiple spots that they utilize, mm. but at the same time they're still stuck in a small area. Yeah, that's they're they're still really confined. Inhospitable. Because yeah. you can't make a break for it. They're eighty miles from anywhere. It says that they're cut off. By like the roads are oh yeah, that's the, that's the whole point. Is it, yeah, yeah. now you are stuck in this town. You just yeah. have to survive until yeah. daylight. I think they destroyed most snowmobiles and everything like that. Like, well, they basically seem to have burnt every single vehicle. So you're not going to be driving out of there realistically. <laughs> yeah, ain't nobody getting out. So, but yeah, no. I mean, if you haven't seen it, definitely recommend it. Yeah, well worth definitely. watch. Well, well worth a watch. watch. If you have seen it, go back and watch it. And those are your only two it options. You either have or haven't really, seen it. really, really well as yeah. well. Um, no dodgy CGI, no, thankfully. Um, well, not real CGI, the, no. but the visuals hold up really well. Yeah, it looks, it still looks really good. Massive, massive praise for the makeup department for those vamp- for the vampire design. Oh yeah, the vampires they are definitely really one of the high points. They really look, really, they do look super off-putting. It is, they have, they're just shy of that green sheen that Ham gets. <laughs> yeah. But they have that, it is that fever, sickly, clammy look to them that just. Yeah. No, the vampires. Ugh. The vampires are probably the highlight of the film, yeah. which is good because it's a vampire film. It is a vampire film. Yeah, <laughs> no, the vampires. The look of them and everything is really, really well thought out. It's really well executed as well because it never looks. You know, sometimes when you see vampires that are whited out, Twilight being again one of the worst examples of it because their ears aren't done. Yeah, it's really, really funny because they're all white and their ears are still their normal color. <laughs> this looks brilliant. Yeah, it's I know been it is done it in looks... a really thoughtful manner. Yeah, no, the film the film looks great. Uh, it definitely holds up. It's a real fun narrative film as well. Yeah. Plenty of gore. Yeah. Nicely One paced th- gore too, but you yeah. don't get overrun on the gore. One or two bits of comedy. One or two scenes I could have done without the dogs in particular. Being well, we never like seeing animals getting no, killed. No, no. Again, um, Rampage, I can't even watch CGI gorillas. <laughs> But yeah, as usual, it comes with the Monorant's recommended stamp. Yes. The seal of approval. Uh-huh. And we will be back next week to give you another film seal of approval, but we haven't a clue what, because that's who we are and that's what we do. Yeah, well, considering we had a massive trial through CEX the other day and bought an ungodly amount of DVDs. Yeah, we bought a whole bunch of DVDs that, that will definitely give us some inspiration for future episodes, I think. It was the one euro pile, so I don't feel too bad. <laughs> oh yeah, we're not spending a whole lot of money on you guys Also, if don't anybody worry about ever that. comes across a copy of The Cell, please send it to me because I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> well, we'd have to give it our address. I know. That ain't happening. But if somebody finds a copy of The Cell, send Contact it. us. Yeah. <laughs> and if you would like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Rantsmono. You can find us on Instagram at Mondo Rants. Mondo Rants. Mondo Rants. <laughs> Mondo from Fair City. What? Oh, no. Not that prick. <laughs> um, no. You can find us on Mono Rants underscore the underscore boys on Instagram. And you can send your own rants to Mono Rants Podcast at gmail.com. And if you can't get enough of us, you can head back and listen to some of our previous episodes. Otherwise, we will be back next week with our usual unknown film. With Redacted. (laughs) With Redacted. Until then, guys. Bye-bye. We are Science Fiction Remnant. This is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We are the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. We are Monorats. We are One Tour Level 2 Podcast. This is Sci-Fi.